today um, I'm going to I'm going to continue on in a series that we've been in for the last several weeks called hope. I need to um, probably share something with you via disclosure today because uh, it's, it's important to me because it's possible I'm going to get um, emotional today. And some of you are like, you're always emotional, but it's possible today that I may get emotional um, in, in ways that I maybe ordinarily don't. Um, on Saturday, uh, around, I guess it was 1, 1.30 in the morning, we got a phone call um, and messages from the states that uh, Desra's grandfather uh, passed away. And uh, that's the, he's the patriarch of our family. And uh, so this weekend, we've really uh, just been grieving. And uh, the reason I'm telling you all of that, it, there's a lot of reasons, and it really ties into uh, today's message, actually. Um, as we've been working through this series on hope, uh, we've been leading up to today. And uh, today's message really is, is talking to us about uh, the hope, the great hope that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. Um, that we are people, Scripture says, who are not like those who don't have hope, but instead we're a people who have hope. That those who fall asleep, we know that they're going to rise again, Thessalonians tells us. And uh, so the series really has been building up uh, to today. And uh, heaven knew that uh, leading up to today's message, that it would be deeply personal for our family, that I would be talking about our great hope that we have, that, that as believers, uh, unlike those who mourn, those who are lost, who don't have hope, that as believers, we have a great hope. And that, our, that hope is that our eternity is secured by a Savior who bled and who died for us, that as we said goodbye and are saying goodbye uh, to Desra's grandfather, who is an incredible man, um, that as we grieve, we're grieving as people who have hope because we know that we're going to see uh, Chuck again. And uh, so as I'm getting ready to preach this message about this great hope, of course, we're experiencing this. And I can tell you that as I stand here today and as we've moved through the weekend coming to this day, I've never been more convinced um, of this hope that we have as followers of Jesus Christ, that following Jesus gives a hope that secures us in this life, and it, it makes sense of the things that do not make sense, and it brings comfort to loss and grief and pain that I cannot imagine what it's like to live without this hope. We in 2022 are, are people who have, uh, we've been affected by or are shaped by modernity. We're modern people, right? And we've been taught, we've been taught science. We've been taught the power of science our, our whole lives. Uh, we've been educated in it. We've been taught um, rational thought and, and we've been taught how, how science works in our life. And science, let me define it for you. I know it's uh, often redefined, except a lot recently, at least, it seems. Uh, but science is a body of knowledge that we obtain by asking questions, right? That's, in essence, that's, if you look up 
science and the definition of science, you're going to read the definition and it's going to say that, that we gain a body of knowledge by objectively observing, by asking questions, by theorizing about what we've learned, by asking these questions, and then you test those theories, right? If you look up science, you're with me, right? You all went through school. I know how important school is in South Africa. Science is you observe, you ask questions, you create theories based on those observations, and then what do you do? You test those theories. Whatever the theories are, you hold them up against testing them, and you ask more questions, and you observe some more, and then you adjust your theories. And the body of knowledge that we collect over and over and over again as we go through this cycle of objectively observing asking good questions, unbiased, in unbiased ways, asking good questions. We reshape what we believe and then we move forward. As modern people, we all, we all, we all believe that, right? We all understand that. I don't just take anything that I see at face value, anything that I read, anything that I hear, even if it's on the internet, I don't just accept it, right? I question it and then I test it. And then I put that test up against what happens, and then, I, and then I observe some more, and then I test some more. Well, listen, you, you don't have to be a person who's prone um, to conspiracy theories uh, about the world that we live in. You don't have to believe in global cabals who seek to control the world. You don't have to, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist who, who believe in multinational pharmaceutical companies who are out there to make us all addicted to uh, all of the various substances that they have and has created this, this cycle from childhood where you and I somehow or another are completely dependent upon their their intervention in our life because there's always this existential threat that's out there from birth through the end of our life threatening in us and therefore we need their help to resolve. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to look at the world around you and say, especially as you consider the last few years, man, it always seems like we're under threat and it always seems like there's somebody selling us what we need to alleviate the threat, right? Right? There's always another ad, there's always another product there's always something. There's always pressure. I'm not, I'm not fit enough. And then it seems like there's somebody selling me a product that's going to help me to be fit. There's always pressure. I, I don't have a good enough life. And there's always somebody selling me something that's going to make my life better, right? From one cycle of dissatisfaction, one cycle of depression, anxiety, fear, helplessness, hopelessness to another. And there's always somebody there who's got the answer and it'll just cost me a little. You don't, you don't have to believe in conspiracy theories. You don't have to be a person who uh, is kind of fringe or out there. You just look at the world around you. You just observe the world around you and you can see that we seem to be stuck in this cycle of hopelessness. You could be a person who just believes 
what's in Scripture, like the letter when Paul, when Peter uh, wrote to the church in in First Peter chapter five verse eight, uh, when he said to us that that we have an enemy, a real legitimate enemy who hates us, uh, who is after our soul, who wants to kill, steal, and destroy us. So even if you don't believe in uh, these powers out there that are trying to exploit you or exploit me. The Bible itself teaches us that we do have a real and imminent threat, that we are under danger, that we have a spiritual enemy who desires not just to exploit us, but ultimately to destroy us, that there certainly is a conspiracy of hell against your soul and, and my soul. So in the same way that we're stuck in this cycle of believing um, that anxiety and depression and all of these things are out there and against us and trying to hurt us and wound us in the same way we understand, at least those of us who believe the Bible, that we do have an enemy and uh, he is outside of us and he does desire to destroy us. We've taught in this series that hope, the hope that we have as believers is an assurance of the impossible made possible by a power not limited by my limitations. I keep sharing that with you because I, I really hope that it sinks in. We as followers of Jesus Christ have the answer that the world is looking for, the answer the world understands that there are powers outside of itself that it cannot control and that it needs help outside of itself. But we as the church have the answer. We've always had the answer. That answer is that there is a God who loves us and cares about us and certainly desires to intervene. See, that's the curse of the human condition. The curse the human condition is that we constantly are caught in this place of threat outside of ourselves and we're looking for some way to control that, of some way to respond to that. Some of us try to respond to uh, this threat that's outside of us by seeking to control it. We want to do everything we can to control it, but control is an illusion, isn't it? It's hard it's hard to be, do any of you have a controlling person in your life? None of you are that way, but you know somebody that way. <laughs> controlling people do everything they can to alleviate the risk, to mitigate the threat. It's a gift, really. But at the end of the day, controlling people ultimately have to Seed the fact that you can't control everything. Amen. People who try so hard to mitigate every possible threat have to acknowledge who would have thought, who would have saw the pandemic coming? Who could have predicted that? I mean, like everyday normal people, right? Who would have saw it coming and how it changed our lives? 21 days to slow the spread. Some of y'all know exactly how many days it was. I don't know exactly how many days it was. You controlling people know exactly how many days it was. But all I know is it hadn't been very long that I was, I still get out of my car and I'm going into a store or something and be like, oh, I forgot my mask and I'm going back. 
It happened to me three times this week. I turned around to go back to my car to get a mask only to realize, oh, yeah, I don't need it. There are those of us in this room who, if we're honest, we try to control our world through our hard work, our performance, our intelligence, our capacity. But here's what we learned, whether we've learned it the hard way or whether we've acknowledged it some other way, what we've learned is that my performance can't control everything. I can do everything Perfect. I can do everything right. And that business partner ripped me off and changed everything. I can follow Jesus all of my life. I can go to youth group. I can save myself till marriage. I can marry the right person after going to premarital counseling and doing all the things I was told to do my whole life. And my partner still cheated on me. Hello? I can follow all of the rules. Somebody cheated me. I was still unfairly accused. I don't know about you, friend, but for those of us who really try really hard to do everything right, to come to a place of acknowledging that my perfect performance does not guarantee a perfect outcome, boy, that can really lead you to a place of hopelessness. And there are some of us in this room who are facing hopelessness, hopelessness right now. And the reason we're facing hopelessness is because, you remember we've been talking about the book of Romans. We're like those, those first group of people in the book of Romans. We're like those Jewish people who believed if I keep the law, if I keep the law, if I keep the law, then I'm one of God's people. If I do everything right, then I'm, I'm guaranteed eternity. I'm guaranteed peace. I'm guaranteed blessing. And yet they were still facing stuff they couldn't control. Some of us, that's how we are. We believe our perfect performance will guarantee a perfect outcome, but it hasn't happened. And now here we are, and our whole, our whole world is turned upside down, and, and actually our theology and our spirituality is turned upside down. And then some of us, some of us are, are the other end of the spectrum. We're like that other group of people that are talked about in the book of Romans. We're like those, those people who realize, well, I know everything will be, everything will be perfect if my li- in my life if I can do it my way. If I can be free, see, we believe that our freedom ensures our success. If I don't do it, if I don't do it the way everybody else tells me to do it, if I, if I play by my rules, if I follow my instincts, if I, if I do what seems right to me, then everything's going to be perfect. Then everything's going to be right. Some of us have lived our life playing by our own rules. We got what we chose. We did what we wanted. We went where we wanted. And yet we still find ourselves in a place where our story story that we've been writing over the course of our life that we thought was going to be a fairy tale has turned into a tragedy. And we don't understand why, because we, we really believed if we could escape the power, if I could get away from the man, if I could do it my way, if I could be with who I want and do what I want and have what I want and eat what I want and drink what I want and live where I want and have the job I want, then I'm going to be satisfied, I'm going to be filled, I'm going to be It'll be great. Some of us have gotten everything we wanted, and at the end of it, it's still 
still not great. There's still things we can't control. So as we've been doing this deep dive in into Romans, we've seen sort of this second layer of what's going on in that book where, where Paul is addressing these two different groups of people who were approaching the world and they were approaching God very differently, but both of them were found at the exact same place. And that place was, I understand that whether I follow all the rules or I make the rules, I'm still not God. Whether I follow all the rules or I make all the rules, I can't save myself. Whether I'm satisfying somebody else's expectations or I'm living my own expectations, I still find myself depressed. I still found myself fearful. I still found myself anxious. I still found, find myself hopeless. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, Paul says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin but anyone who has died has been set free from sin during your daily 20 this week i would encourage you to go read the book of romans chapter 6 read it just stay in it read it over and over during those five minutes of reading this week it won't take you very long just read that chapter over and over even if you're in a bible reading plan and you're reading somewhere else just read that chapter over and over again this week and during your daily 20, uh, your journaling part, see what the Lord may say to you out of Romans chapter 6, because it's really interesting. It's the first part of the book. It's when he's dealing specifically with those law-following people, but it really is the heart of the message of the book, and that is this idea that no matter what I try to do on my own, I can't save myself. But Paul is saying, thank God in heaven, I don't have to save myself, but God in heaven stepped into my existence and he paid the price for me so I wouldn't have to save myself. And he uses this really beautiful illustration. And the illustration is, although the subject's not beautiful, the illustration's beautiful. He uses the illustration of slavery. And I think it's beautiful because if we were to go around this room this morning, I think many of us, if we were to start to try to describe how we feel, those of us who are rule followers and we try so hard to follow the rules and it, and it still doesn't work out, or those of us in this room who are really, we're, we're the rebels, we're the, we're, we, we try to do everything our own way and, and it's not working out. Every one of us, if we were to follow that story that we're writing about our lives, we, could, we would almost all, if we really thought about it, could come back to this idea of sometimes I feel like I'm a slave. I feel like if I'm a rule follower, I feel like I'm a slave to these rules. And, and no matter how hard I try, I still can't get ahead. And then some of us, we feel like, man, I'm, I'm a slave to, to, to my, my own ideals, my own principles, my own way of thinking. And no matter how hard I do it, try to do it my way, I still never seem to get ahead. Paul taught that all of humanity whether you're a rebel or a rule follower. Paul taught that all of humanity is in slavery. And the gospel, the gospel is the story of God intervening in our slavery. The gospel is the, the story of God intervening for those of us who are rule followers and those of us who are rebels, for, for God intervening right in the middle of our slavery and saying to us, here, let me take you out of your slavery. You see, the gospel teaches us that triumph, 
triumph from slavery comes through surrender, not through conquest. Let me say that again. The gospel teaches us that triumph comes through surrender, not through conquest. Do rule followers think, if I work hard, if I work hard, then I'll beat this thing. Rebels think, if I do it my way, then I'll beat this thing. But all of us end up being beat by the thing. And what the gospel teaches us is not that I'm going to overcome it in my own might, in my own power, when my own ability to do it my way or the right way. The gospel teaches us that when I surrender to that power that is outside of myself, it is in that place that I truly gain freedom from the cage. It is in that place that I really triumph over that thing that has controlled me, that thing that has defined me. Think about it. Let it sink in. We don't, we don't like that message because it grates against our nature. Our nature is to fight back. Our nature is to resist. Our nature is to either try to control the circumstance or to rebel against the circumstance. But Jesus, as our Messiah, came and he broke into our slavery and he said, I'm here to set you free. Last week, I, I ended my message on this statement that said this, hope is an act of humility. Hope ultimately is an act of humility. I think many of us struggle to comprehend that concept. But what I've come to believe is that in a world where I cannot control my circumstances by my performance and I, I cannot control my circumstances by how I define reality, in a world where I can't, where I can't make anything ultimately happen, that if I'm going to have hope, if I'm going to have peace, if I'm going to have joy, it's got to come from outside of myself, which means that I need help. And coming to that place of acknowledging that I need help is an act of humility. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6-11 through 11 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. There's that word sober again. In this series and last series, I keep bringing us back to verses of scripture that says that everything in our world seeks to numb you. Everything in scripture seeks to call you to a place of soberness. Understand what is happening. We do have an existential threat that is trying to destroy us, First Peter teaches us. Get this, sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If I can get you to not be sober, I can devour you. If I can numb you, I can devour you. If I can cause your senses to be dulled, to where you're not paying attention, to where you're not on alert, I can devour you. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Do you not understand, friend, that we're not the first generation of believers who have been in a place where we're facing unbelievable circumstances? 
and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, while he, while will he himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast? To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. What is, what is Peter talking about? He's talking about the same thing that Paul talked about. It's this hope that we have. In light of my suffering, in light of what I'm going through that is beyond my control, in light of the opposition, in light of the enemy who wants to destroy me, I have a hope. How do I live in that hope? How do I walk in that hope? Well, I, I live and I walk in that hope by not falling into those things that dull my senses, not succumbing to those things, indulging those things that numb me, but instead... Instead, what do I do? Well, I join in the family of believers throughout the world, throughout time, and I resist him. I stand firm in faith because I'm a part of something that is bigger than myself. At this point in writing this sermon, I was going to talk to you from 1 Thessalonians. The Bible talks about our great hope. 2013, uh, Desert and I were serving as missionaries in Swaziland, and as far as I know, um, our grandpa's last uh, mission trip, his last time to um, visit another country and preach in another country, was in a little village um, that we had worked really hard to build a church, and um, went to this village to build a church, and when we got there, um, the pastor, she's a female pastor, showed me, she was so excited to show me the piece of property the chief had given for us to build this church, and uh, I remember going out to the piece of property, and it was literally on the side of this giant hill. There wasn't a level. There wasn't a level square meter on that piece of property. There was no way we could build this church structure. We raised these funds. We had this team coming. We were going to build this structure, and um, so we said, "Well, we got to pray." And I said, can you go back to them? Because it's a beautiful piece of property. She was so excited about it. It was beautiful. It overlooked the whole, whole village. It was a beautiful piece of property, but we can't, I'm sorry, I can't build on this piece of property. Um, we're we're going to have to pray. And I said, can you go back to the community and ask them to give us another piece of property? And she said, yes, absolutely. I'll go. I'll go. I'll take care of it. So I left and um, got everything together, and we were coming back and um, bringing all the steel and we're going to build this church and I, I thought uh, we had gotten a different piece of property but when I got there the entire hillside had been carved out and it was this incredible beautiful fl flat piece of land it was amazing and so when I got out I said to the pastor, I was like, this is, how did this happen? She said, oh, you're never going to believe it. The, the community, the chief said, no, this is the property they gave us. 
So the church and I, we began to pray and we began to fast. And I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to call you to tell you that it wasn't gonna work. So we just started praying. And she said, you're never gonna believe it. The government decided to build a road over here and they needed some good dirt. And so they came in, I'm talking guys, this is out in the bush, this is the boondocks. They came in and they leveled this whole hillside because they wanted my dirt to build a road. It was unbelievable. So we built this church and on the very first Sunday, Desert's grandpa, um, because he was there, I asked him to preach. And um, he preached from 1 Thessalonians. And I thought, it's a lot better than hearing it from me to let you hear it from him today. Don't let no troubles today bother you. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. Here to tell you this morning, God has got some place for you. Because one of these days, he's coming back. First Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, I want to read it to you. Fourth chapter, the 16th verse. Chapter 4, verse 16. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Get the picture today. You've lost loved ones and they're in the graveyard and they knew Jesus. This is what he's talking about. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I want you to know something. Not only is the Lord God, uh, loving you, not only is praying for you, not only does he, he care about everything he weeps for you, not only does he look for you, but But one of these days, he's coming back for you. What a hope. What a hope. That is our hope today. It's for Jesus to come and to take us to our mission in the sky. Don't ever let anybody tell you you're not worth it. Because I want to tell you, you're worth everything to him. You're his creation. And because you're his creation and you serve him and you love him, you give him your heart. 
in Jesus the promise is that even when this life ends that in the life to come there's a reward for us Peter told us we have an enemy and he wants to lock us in a cage he wants to convince you that you're small he wants to define you with a label he wants to inflict you with a disease he wants to put you in a cage and convince you that's, that's all there ever is for you, that you're this or you're that. And as long as he can convince you that you're that small, he can control you. The gospel, the gospel, something very different. The gospel says you're free. You're free from trying to do it all yourself you're free you're free from an ideology that says that you can figure it out and you know better and your way works you're free from that you're free you're free from being defined by 
those things. Those things that have been used to hurt you, to control you, to manipulate you. You're free from all of those things in Christ. I, I maybe not have the ability to answer every question you have. And I, I certainly, I certainly cannot fix every bad thing that's ever happened in your life. I don't have the, the, the capacity to explain away the abuse that has happened in religion or the church or through government or at the hands of people who claim to love you. I can't change or fix any of those things, but I can tell you unequivocally this. Those things are not Jesus. He loves you. He did for you what no one else would ever do. He died so that you could be free. So I want to encourage you today. Surrender. Surrender. Surrender your need to control everything. Surrender your need to define everything. Because the end of both of those extremes leads all of us to hopelessness. And Jesus is here. Jesus is here to give us hope. He's calling. He's asking. You and me, will you come? Will you come and receive this gift?